Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio, with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello and welcome to More Beyond the Spot, your weekly chance. Thanks to Anfield Index Pro to hear the wit and wisdom of Mr. Jan Malby. So let's waste no time and bring him back to your ears and eyes once more. Good evening, Jan. Yes, good evening, Trevor. Hope you enjoyed the weekend. Hard not to, my friend. It was uh, it was a very special occasion in a way that I certainly wasn't expecting. I didn't see that coming. Uh, anything of that magnitude, anything that would bring me that much uh, happiness, um, especially maybe even right up to the end when we heard the team announced and there was none of our hoped for big hitters available. But what happened on that afternoon in that stadium, yeah, it was, um, it felt a little bit more than, than, than just a league cup win and not to diminish that trophy at all. But you understand what I'm saying in terms of the, the, the hierarchy, it's, it's the lesser of them, but it, it felt more important than that. It felt really, really special. So it's an end of an era. But it also looks like the start of a new cycle, doesn't it? You know, yeah. it's, it's, it's like, yes, Jurgen is going, isn't it? But have we ever been in better shape? That's what you're left with out of that. And I don't know whether you found it very heartening in terms of what's left for the season or whether that fed into how you're feeling about things going forward. And we'll, we'll, we'll get to that because the, the rest of the course of the discussion will, will bring us that way. But I, there's several little parts about Sunday that I want to talk about, um, specifically. Uh, there's an awful lot of chat about how, um, a, a team that hopes to have success at the end of the year can possibly use this as a springboard. And I think the, the most recent examples are, are, are City seeming to take it seriously and winning, was it four in a row they won, Jan? I think something like that of it. Um, and therefore it can be this springboard in terms of, well, a, a uniting thing, a sort of momentum thing. Uh, this is what we do. We win things kind of a feeling and, you would imagine that that's very much the impact it's going to have on this Liverpool squad, um, injuries or no. Um, so just from that perspective alone, I heard someone saying, look, if that's the only thing we win, I'm going to celebrate the hell out of it because it was glorious. But it feels, doesn't it, like there's more than that, just that alone in this group. On the basis of what we saw, it was, it was basically a, an attitude of, no, you don't beat us, we win. And then that, that, in fairness, Trevor, that's exactly the same attitude I had. Uh, w- when I got to Wembley, uh, and you speak to people, I'm not talking about supporters, but I'm talking about people in, in, in the same business as me, reporters, ex-players and whatever. And, and it was kind of an avalanche of 
bad news. People go, with this team, you know, this this is the one, you know, we can't keep getting away with it. And my argument all along was, yeah, but we we just have an attitude that stops us from getting beat, you know. We we just don't lose games. We just don't lose these big games, you know. Uh, regardless, and I have to say then, in commentary, and when we got to extra time and you look at what the two teams have on the pits, I thought, okay, this is now a manager who's looking at the bigger picture. Jurgen Klopp taking up some of the experienced players. Uh, and I thought, well, okay, Chelsea took control and it's whether we can hang in there for 30 minutes. But it comes back to what would you rather have? Would you rather have all the players available like Chelsea did? Or would you rather have us with a few injuries but us being a well-oiled machine? So you saw that when the when we made the substitutions. We went straight back into our rhythm. The youngsters came on towards the end of 90 minutes. We had a few problems there to, to sort ourselves out. Klopp sorted that out before extra time started. And then we dominated extra time for 30 minutes. So it, there's a lot to be said for a happy camp, for a well-oiled machine. And I just think that all those kids, in there, aren't they, protected by Klopp's way of playing? You know, whereas a lot of out of old Saturday seeing Chelsea Sunday, there is no protection for your Manchester United players or Chelsea players in the way that they play. Because the two of them, both clubs, are fucking clueless, you know. <laughs> so, you know, but it's, it's a fact, Trevor. You know, we protect our young players by being able to put them into something that even they know in their sleep how it's meant to be, yeah? You know, so that's a massive health business. So, you know, so as much as we say we did this and we put all these young players and whatever, and I don't know. There's some of the youngsters I think is going to have great careers. The others I don't know. Uh, but one thing's for sure, all them, and that was the one thing I got at the end, Trevor, you know, when, you, when, you, when you're there. The one thing I got at the end was all those young players that now be given a day they'll never forget. And when you look at the likes of the players we have who have semi-famous fathers, you know, Clark and Dan's and Kumas and whatever. I look through their record. Their dad's never won anything. You know, it's like football is about winning, Trevor, isn't it? You know, it's, so them, them kids have got something, isn't it? I just think that it's, it's credit to the way that Klopp sets things up when you don't have to be. If we have injuries, it doesn't have to lose sleep over it, yeah? Because we know what we're doing. We, let, we don't have to replace one from one. We just put them in there. And the protective of what we do is the sorry. Yeah, it was remarkable. I mean, it was a, it was like you said, it was a, it was a weird sort of a, it was much more than just winning or many calls. And I went by the so the, 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 the small of the two domestic cups, isn't it? But it, there was nothing small about Sunday, was he? It, it was, yeah, it was remarkable. I have to say, I really, really enjoyed it. Because it was so emotional, it was particularly extra special because of the way it panned out with the, the disallowed goal, and um, we'll speak about that uh, uh, perhaps if you fancy a, a run down that one in a little bit. It did feel extra special. It did feel uh, it felt significant. Um, but I'm really fascinated by something you're saying there, and I wouldn't mind teasing that out with you a bit because you're in a fine position to speak to us about it, having been part of the Liverpool setup that you came into, which was the ultimate well-oiled machine and the boot room philosophy had carried from one manager to another to another. Uh, you were there for the transition of one to another and then later on again. And you were also at Ajax, which had a reputation for, well, this is how we play the game. And you stepped into that. Um, and I remember you talking to me about, you know, feeling your way in and then suddenly, okay, it clicks, you know what, how it works, you know where you fit in, you know what you do in any given position. And I think Liverpool and Ajax were unusual in those days for being, I don't think there were systems teams like teams are systems teams now, but there was, as you say, very much that way of playing so that people know what it is they're supposed to do when they step into that team. Um, what is it? Do you see any comparison with with the the the, the setup with Klopp? You outlined how we can take in Dan's uh, McConnell. Uh, oh, Quanta has a little bit of experience. We can have um, um, 
a right back uh, Bradley we can have uh, uh, at least one or two others who are academy graduates there on the pitch at the end and it is quite seamless it says a lot about this guy and what he's put in situ that that can happen what is that is that is that just a technical Jan can it be technical? Can you really have that much information in your head as a footballer? Or is it more cultural in terms of an attitude towards how the game should be played? Do you, do you see where I'm going with that? If there's yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, absolutely. So, I mean, on the technical side, when you talk about that, more or less every football club is capable of producing the same sort of technical uh, information and, and, and way of playing, isn't it? The one thing that sets it aside, and a guy said that to me on Sunday before the game, he is from within the camp, you know, and we were just briefly talking about Jurgen Klopp leaving, and he went, yeah, but it's not the technical side we're worried about, you know. He said it's not, because we will get another great coach. He said it's the other bit that Jurgen brings, that cultural thing, that thing that you run till you can't run anymore, and then you just run a little bit more, yeah? You know, all those things. Yeah. Demanding, yeah? Fox demanding. You know, he stands on a touchline and sometimes people think, what's he shouting at? He's demanding, you know? And that's a cultural thing, isn't it? So the technical side, more or less everybody produces the same, isn't it? But it's it's how you put it into practice, isn't it? And what I'm saying is that some clubs, like Liverpool, and we were talking about that again at the weekend, and if you look at if you look at the clubs where they're at it, they're at it at Anfield, they're at it at Manchester City, they're at it at Arsenal, they're at it at Aston Villa, they're at it at Spurs, yeah? But then you look at some of the other clubs like Manchester United and Chelsea where they're not at it. And that's a cultural thing, isn't it? You know, that's a cultural thing, isn't that? They're just not at it, is it, with all that money? Isn't it? And that must be... A, I, I don't want to jump on, 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 on Chelsea and whatever, but their fans must be devastated. You know, one thing was losing a very successful and popular owner Whatever we think of it, yeah, but he was very popular and he was very successful at Chelsea. And then they get this new guy and they think we're going into a new era. They're spending money like it's going out of fashion. And this is what you've got. You know, you've got nothing. You, you, you've got nothing that fills you with pride, do you, Trevor? You know? Yeah. And that was, the, that was the one thing. Had we lost on Sunday, which we could have done, yeah? They, they had their chances. We could have lost that game, isn't it? But we'd have still walked away there with immense pride, isn't it? And you look, you look at the earthquake surrounding Chelsea now, isn't it? They came to that game in good form, just drawn 1-1 with City, three games unbeaten, and everybody's okay. They lose a game like that because it was an opportunity, and all hell breaks loose, isn't it? You know, these are the things as a football club you must avoid, you know. But if you don't have your house in order, and they don't have the house in order, because otherwise they wouldn't be in, where are they, 11, 25 points behind Liverpool, you know? So it's, it's all them things, isn't it? And We've semi-been there ourselves, haven't we, Trevor? But we've never been there without the pride, you know. We've never been there without the pride, have we? We always had pride, even when we were bang average. You know, we, we, we still had pride because the fans won't let the players get away with things, isn't it? The one thing we didn't have was quality. But, you know, so I just, I look at it and I go, that thing that Klopp brings, most players who played on there won't be able to 100% explain to us what it was. It's just... Here he is again now. You know, I better stand. I better stand in line. You know, what does he want me to do? You know, and it is like that, isn't it, Trevor? What do you want yeah. me to do? Us? Yeah, I'll do yeah. To see how he was involved, um, I thought it was a lovely gesture uh, that he was. Uh, I, I assume approached by Virgil because I can't see Clapo ever. Um, insisting on something like that would appear to be the opposite way he'd tend to go. But to see him be involved with the trophy lift, to see him be as carried away with the celebrations as he was, like genuinely in the moment in a way that's lovely to see that it's one of the things we like about him is, is his humanity and his, is, is the, 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 the openness of the guy. It, it clearly meant a lot is where, where I'm going with this. And I think, Jan, some of us might have feared the more pessimistic people. I, I, I won't include myself in that because I was quite optimistic about it, but, some people did fear that perhaps, you know, that thing of, well, the manager's going now and uh, the whole thing feels a bit dead rubber or he's a bit of a dead man walking. But the, if anything, the aura around Klopp has grown. You can see that. You can see that 
in the reaction of each of the individual players to him and him to them. If anything, it's just getting bigger and bigger as this season bundles on since we found out. And I think that is probably the most encouraging aspect of all of it, Jan, is that it feels like, you know, they will do what you were talking about, the running through walls, the how high do you want me to jump boss. It does feel like that thing is absolutely in situ. What, so whatever can be milked out of this squad, I really am optimistic that it will be milked out of it by the end of this season. It doesn't feel like we're going to go down like a damn squib. If anything, we'll go out swinging. Yeah, but I feel we're at that stage now, Trevor, where the manager doesn't have to ask for any effort of the players. The players are bending over backwards to give them everything they got. Yeah. You know, and, 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 and that is A, out of respect for the manager, but it's also equally out of respect for the club, isn't it? Because you're in a position where the manager's about to walk through the door and you might just take your foot off the pedal in it. But too much respect for the manager and for the club. That's just unthinkable, isn't it? So, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, I, I totally agree. Every little bit we're going to need in terms of effort, we will get. Whether it's all enough in the end, I don't know. But let's, let's not worry about the season going off a cliff because you're in clubs and the players won't be able to deal with that mentally and, and emotionally and whatever. That, that's gone that hasn't it you know what I mean club is not allowing it to become an, an emotional thing uh, he's a, he's a, he, he's a, he, he's asked them to become a motivation you know this must motivate you lads you know not that I'm leaving but the fact that we have this opportunity in year one of a rebuild you know grab it with both hands because it's all very good saying Trevor and I remember when I was I was a manager in, the, in outside the leagues with Kidderman's in a conference and it was a two horse race and I always remember the chairman saying Oh, well, if we don't win it this year, yeah, we can win it next year. And I thought, if we don't win it next year, this year, we'll never win it. You know, mm-hmm. so it's about, it's, it's about grabbing the moment, isn't it? You know, uh, because you'll never be sure, you know, and, and I think Klopp has got that message through to the players. It certainly feels that way. And it was a little bit of a flattener uh, when we heard that none of our big names that we were hoping might be available at the trio of Mo and Darwin and uh, Dom Sabozlai, none of them uh, made even the bench. Um, so we did have that lineup that was very similar to the, the, the one from the previous game. And before you know it, we're um, struggling on with another lad, um, Crocked Gravenberg with a terrible uh, looking um, challenge. And that leads into the next little bit of adversity, which is <clears throat> the decisions around that really seemed odd to me, um, how that can not be acknowledged for what it was. Very strange. And it's not like that was the only one. It was the most graphic one by Caicedo, but he got away with a couple. Um, and he wasn't the only one who got away with a couple um, in the early goings of the match and all the way through the first half. Uh as Chris Kavanagh seemed to, I don't know, let the game flow when it was in favour of Chelsea and and, and, and not uh, necessarily Liverpool. When the Reds finally do go ahead through that wonderful Virgil van Dijk uh, header, they found a way, it felt. It really felt like they were trying to find a way to disallow it. And I understand the technical argument. I, I think it's absolute, pardon my friend, bollocks, because that happens in every single set piece, corner, free kick, every single one. I, I don't get it yet. So uh, the adversity was getting racked up and they did get their tails up a little bit eventually because of the constant adversity against Liverpool. I think when that goal was disallowed, it was, it was a tough spell for us to weather and Kelleher stood up and um, a lot of our players stood up. Endo was outstanding. In fact, it's hard to pick out a lad who wasn't good. So the, we got on with battling that adversity, but it, it was very much part of the narrative, wasn't it, on the day? It really did feel like, oh, God, it's going to be one of these. What did you make specifically of the disallowed goal decision? I mean, did do you buy into that um, analysis that uh, Mike Dean was, seemed to be making up in the spot that, oh, well, he's about to go into the drop the, the drop zone where the ball will drop. I said, oh, that's a new phrase I haven't heard about before, the drop zone. And, you know, uh, Endo's blocking off the lad from getting to the drop zone where he could, Caldwell, I think it was, where he could potentially then influence uh, the Van Dyke thing. Let's not say anything about the fact that Virgil was be- having his shirt pulled as he scored. Let's focus on the other thing. 
it all felt very, very, very hinky to me and then sent to the monitor and so on. Talk to me around about that and about all the, the way the adversity was, was, was piling up. Hello, I'm here to annoy you. I'm here to annoy you into listening to more of me and more of others on EPL Index. We don't just have the Anfield Index stuff. We've got EPL Index as well, which covers the entirety of the Premier League. And we have three podcasts and a whole bunch of really good writing on EPLindex.com. The podcasts are my own two-footed podcast, which is every day at 4 p.m., Monday through Friday, covering the whole league. We have a Tad Predictable hosted by Tadiwa. You know Tadiwa. He does Anfield Index. He presents a Tad Predictable before every Premier League match week. And then Kevin DeVries and his crew on the EPL Roundtable there every week after the Premier League match week. So make sure you listen to everything we're doing on EPL Index and follow us there on Twitter at EPL Index. Thank you. Bye-bye. So in terms of the law of the games, I totally get that VAR looks at that. I totally get that. And then VAR flags that up as, oh, this is potential, yeah. I'm, I'm 100% with that one. And I guess that's what you were saying before. You understand the technical uh, aspect of it all. And then it becomes subjective. And how anyone, Trevor, subjectively can come to that decision is beyond me. I've heard that phrase before. The ball is about to drop in, into the drop zone and whatever. Yeah, I've heard that phrase before. But how anyone can come to that decision is is ever so baffling. I'm not a big fan of jumping on the referee's uh, bags because I think the job is hard enough as it is, isn't it? But I said in commentary when Chris Kavanagh and, you know, Chris Kavanagh is a, an average Premier League referee who I guess is not up to refereeing a game with his magnitude. And by that I mean the rivalry between Liverpool and Chelsea and that's been born out of the fact that we've frequently played each other in the last 25 years in big games. That's how that rivalry has come about. You know, they've come and bought their way into the top table and because of that, we have arrived. And he's not up to that, isn't he? And I said in commentary, when he went to that screen and he's looking at that screen forever, yeah? And I thought, I said, he's thinking, why the fuck have they sent me out here? Yeah. You know, I generally thought he's standing there looking at the screen. You know, sometimes you've got that blank look in your eyes and you go... I'll just stand here for a minute, you know what I mean? Just to humour people, yeah? I generally thought he was going to go, what a twat for sending me out here, you know? Yeah. And he would, have just, he would have just gone, go. And Christ, oh, mate, I couldn't have been more wrong. And then he fell off my chair. He was, <laughs> he was unreal, Trevor. The only good thing is the reason that you're smiling and I'm laughing because of it, we got a winner in the end, isn't it? But can you imagine if he had Christ, oh, mate. You know? <laughs> It's like it, 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 these things have to stop, Trevor. These things generally have to stop. You know, and the people go, VAR. I said, it's got nothing to do with VAR. It's the fucking people who use it. You know, it's the people <laughs> who make these decisions. Nothing wrong with technology. You know, these people. Christ, oh my. I come back to, you know, even if, if Gianfranco Sola would have sat up there in the VAR room, yeah, as a Chelsea legend, he'd have gone, that's a fucking Anybody would have gone. Yeah, everybody, yeah. you know, yeah. even John Terry sitting there ready in his kit in case he's a person painting. Even he'd have gone, I can't disallow that. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> Chris Kavanagh could. Jesus. Chris Kavanagh could, fair play to him. No, yeah. You know, well, well, once you're sent to the monitor, I think you have to understand that you've been a bold boy, you've made the wrong decision, and you need to make the right decision. That seems to be the way of it. Um, before we focus on some other of the fun aspects, which is an awful lot of the really, really, really sour grapes reactions to the first uh, cup win of the season, um, I just wanted to uh, hear from you on who you think really did stand up uh, in, in terms of, of the performance. And it's it, it, it's it's an easy thing to bunch them together, and you kind of really can, especially the, the lads who came out at the last minute. I'd be interested to hear your take on that because you've already alluded to the fact that it was kind of, it, it looked like, I think to most people, I really need to protect some of my first team members here. Um, and then other people interpreted it as almost arrogance, you know, um, in terms of 
putting on these youngsters. But the result was that these guys came in and they dictated the play for the last half hour that the pitch was uh, alive with football. These kids, they drove it. McConnell striding around the midfield. Dan's looking really insistent up top. All the other kids, Quanta stepping off on the ball, bringing it out from the back. That's what happened. Liverpool played the football in that second, in that extra time. Um, but I'm just interested to, 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 to get your take on who you thought really stood out. It's going to be hard to look past Big Quivin with a couple of Ali-style world-class saves, but I'm sure there are others that not stood out for you. Yeah, I mean, there was obviously so many who, who did ever so well, but just to come back to, when, when we left Merseyside to go to Wembley, we were on a mission, weren't we? You know, we were on a mission to go to London and pick up that trophy. You know, and, and when you hear Chelsea after the game, my manager going, oh, we played for penalties. I mean, you, you couldn't make it up. It's embarrassing, isn't it? Uh, so yeah, you already mentioned the goalkeeper who did, uh, what, what, what he had to do. Uh, a couple of really, really good smart saves. Uh, and he needed that, didn't he? Because he, he'd fallen into a little bit of a, where people started to doubt him a little bit and whether he'd ever be any more than a number two or whatever. So he had a really good game. But I have to say, and we, we did a preview show on a Friday. And uh, we were trying to compare Hansen and, and Van Dyke, you know, and I always think it's it's always easier to go with well, all the players I played with and the best in the world. Is that? And I really built up Van Dyke on a Friday. And, I, you know, it, it was one of the biggest days in the club history when we signed it because of the eventual uh, improvement that came with that, isn't it? And I, I thought Big Virgil, uh, you know, was, was that, I mean, in extra time, it almost looked like a bunch of kids who'd won a competition to play at Wembley with Virgil, you know. You know, it's one of them is to come and play come and play a game at Wembley with Big Virgil and he'll go after you, you know what I mean? And and that's exactly what he did, didn't he? And that's a goal aside, isn't it? You know, because I'm thinking that if we have to defend an extra time, it'll be Big Virgil. But I thought they all did well. You mentioned Endo before, uh, he did really well. McAllister is just getting better and better, you know. Uh when he came and for a spell I thought have we seen this wrong? Have we got this wrong? Is he not as good as we thought? But well, you know, I'm starting to see it now. He's a vision, he's passing. It's off the scale, isn't it? Beautiful. Lewis Diaz just never stopped. He was kind of the one. He was that carry threat, wasn't he? You know what I mean? Give him to the ball, he could carry the, carry the game. And then you had others who had to do a job. You know, Connor Bradley, uh, when Gravenberg, I, I would have put Connor central midfield and kept Harvey out, out, out wide. Because I don't think it did Connor Bradley any favours having to play. That's almost like a, a right winger, you know what I mean? So I would have put him mm-hmm. in central in it, but, 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 but all those kids, Robbo did what Robbo did, you know, and always take great, uh, take great care of everything. But, but I agree with you. If you look at these kids and sometimes they come on and they don't do a lot, do they? You just come on when the game is, is sort of filtering out and whatever. But McConnell, you know, when you talk about, we spoke about Kwanzaa and we spoke about Bradley and whatever. McConnell's got a chance, hasn't he? You know. He's got that. He's got that about him, isn't he? You know what I mean? Nothing faces me either, but the boy can play. You know, I really like him. So, you know, possibly with all those, but I don't know, but possibly with all the others, he's another one we can think. You know, he's got a long future ahead, ahead of him at, at Liverpool. I'm, I'm convinced of that. And po- possibly, the, I think the one who got the most time was Bobby Clark. And, um, for me, I, I just thought, I thought he, he struggled a little bit in the, in his first few exchanges. But again, you see, another really confident lad there. And anything he's done on the pitch in his contributions recently, it's like, well, how, how have we gotten so many of these lads who have, it's not a swagger. It's just a confidence to go and get on the ball and do things. Curtis Jones had it when he came into the team first. He still has it. Um, Gerald Kwanzaa had it when he came into the team and it's only grown. And I wonder, does it come down to, again, that cultural thing of the confidence of knowing that you have um, a specific role here? There's certain things that you must do. You, you, you always look to get on the ball and, and, and keep it moving and be involved in the play. Listen, it's this is going to sound a bit controversial, but, you know, you, I, grew, I grew up and played where you might have a very good footballer in your team who would spend a good portion of the match hiding um, and only do the bits that he wanted to do. And if I'm not mistaken, I think I've seen that in the professional game as well. 
But none of these lads hide. That's the really, really heartening thing about it, Jan, for me, is none of them hide. They all want the ball. They want to be on the ball. They want to be progressive with the ball. That's just, that's the most exciting thing, I think, for for fans looking to the next couple of years. I think that's because they're being asked or it's being demanded from them that they show something every day in training. I mean, you mentioned the, 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 the hiding thing. I've played with players who hit. And you always, you always kind of make an excuse for him, go, it's not deliberate, it's kind of the way he plays and whatever. But these players are being asked to produce every single day. We, we, even in our day, and we were pretty successful in our day, we could have days in training where somebody didn't really show because, you know, wasn't up for it, didn't feel the energy or whatever. But that doesn't go anymore, does it, Trevor? You know, every day, come on, now we're going to work. Yeah, so every day, I want you to push yourself in the best possible way you can. Uh, and I think that shows in, in, in the games because they're used to being available, moving the ball along. And if they make mistakes, it's one of them things, isn't it? So we just get on with it, isn't it? And it's obviously all to do. So when you compare, and when I said before, have we ever been in better shape? When, when I was getting sold by Ajax and the last few training days, I trained with the reserves. I didn't know any of the reserve players. I've never seen any of them. They used to train every day at five o'clock. So I was asked to train with them at five o'clock. And when I trained with them, I realized, fuck, this club's never got any problems. You know what I mean? Because there's a whole group here, you know? And, and this is just, this is the same thing we're seeing here, isn't it? You know, Trevor, I've been there with all those over the years at, at Anfield. And there was a tendency that it would be in the League Cup. They got their debuts and people get carried away. You know, uh, I was there when, when Woodburn became the youngest scorer for Liverpool. The same day against Leeds with Harry Wilson and whatever, and you know, I said after I said, I think that both of them, I, good luck. They've had a great night, but, but I think both of them will struggle to make the great at Liverpool. You know, and I'm looking at these, and I think already now, let's say there's seven, or eight of them. I, I, I think already half of them are bankers. You know, to 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 be at Liverpool for a long, long time, and that's good, isn't it? And, and the others look right. You know, it's just whether they've got enough quality in it, but they look right. And personality is massive, Trevor. We've often spoken about that. Personality is massive. You know, you've got to have a personality to go with you. You know, and you've got to be able to handle, you've got to be able to handle not just the ball and the game or whatever. There's a lot more to go to with it. So I like that. I think the boy that runs the academy, Alex Ingleford, I think he's, I think he's done a really, really good job. He's another demanded one, never happy. Come on, we can do more, you know. So yeah, very good. We should be honest and say that Chelsea, really made a great game of it. And I think the stats were incredible in terms of the amounts uh, of shots and attempts uh, on target and off. Uh, I'm, sorry, I'm just getting it up here because I want to be able to see it uh, properly. Yeah, it was bananas. 24 shots for the Reds, 19 for uh, Chelsea, 11 on target for us and 9 on target for them. We had just shaded the possession with 54%. And the passing we shaded as well, uh, 689 to 587, which is just a reflection of the possession, I suppose, more than anything else. A bit more accurate with ours as well. And somebody said as well, uh, this famous new XG stat, which basically references what, uh, how strong the opportunity of scoring is. Um, I don't think anyone has ever saved more XG against than Keller ha- did in that match in a, in a, either in a major final or in a cup final or something like that. That again tells you that they were very good and they were putting us right up against it. And on another night, they could have had a couple of goals. So we just want to be really, really honest about that. Um, but we started speaking about culture and it's not to crow at all, but it seems really odd that on a day when they could absolutely say, right, see you, Caicedo, see you, Enzo. You guys were players that Liverpool would have coveted. Uh, one, one of you particularly, obviously so. Um, see you, Cole Palmer, see you, uh, Raheem Sterling, you, you know, go and show these lads what you're all about. Raheem, you, you've got some, uh, scores to settle and so on. And they, they finished the, the, the game that they finished, or the team that they finished with, I believe, was Petrovic, Gusto, Desasi, Colwell, Chalaba, Palmer, Enzo, Caicedo, Mudweke, Mudrik, and Nkunku. And these are players that 
are would be very much desired by any club really. Um highly rated footballers. Look how much we were reportedly willing to pay for Colwell as well. Um Mudrick was a highly rated one who probably just hasn't done what um, a lot of people were hoping he was going to do. But there's a huge amount of talent there. So you mentioned the fact that their manager was coming out talking some nonsense about uh, almost like almost like throwing his players under the bus, to be honest with you, in terms of the attitude of playing for penalties and stuff like that. Where does that come from? And why would you ever consider that that's acceptable? Forget that we are uh, not as inexperienced as everybody said we were when we started. Um, that we, that Liverpool should still turn up. And then Sky Sports, uh, most of the media outlets didn't really want to talk about the fact that there were seven first teamers out. They just didn't really want to talk about it. So let's not talk about it. And let's say Chelsea go into that game with the best fucking opportunity ever. And they've lost six finals in a row now to just put this thing to bed, to do do a number on us, to show their superiority. But none of them could manage it, Jan. Not really. You couldn't say that any of them were dominant over the their opposition over the course of the 90. And that's very, very strange. And it, it speaks to whatever the opposite mentality to the one that we have is. Yeah. They, they have a number of problems. I mean... I've always been convinced that Mauricio Pochettino is a decent manager, but I've never been convinced he's a winning manager. And I think there's a massive difference. Uh, it's yeah. a bit, you can, you can play, put Graham Potter into exactly the same category. I think he's a, he's a very good manager, but he's not a winning manager. Uh, and, and, and I think most of our listeners will fully understand what we mean by winning. Uh, uh, and, and then you talk about these players and, yeah, Mihaila Mudra, I mean, it, it's been a disaster ever since he joined with, I still find it hard to believe because I do believe that if Chelsea were able to sell him, somebody else would snap him up and make a play out of him. I couldn't have it any other way. Uh, but there's other people like Enzo Fernandez. He disappointed on people. keep telling me he's a World Cup winner, blah, 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 whatever. And I'm going, yeah, well, all right, do something then, you know. Do, you know, if, you know, if you want to have any credit for Argentina winning the World Cup, start showing something because otherwise I'm going to keep telling people about that message like Maradona did in 86 won on his own because if, if that's the best they've got to show, it's not good enough, is it? But the one, the one Trevor is Raheem Sterling. You know, I mean, what is that all about? You know, you know, his standing in the game, what they spent on bringing him to Chelsea, the money they gave him, and he must have been the one. You know, even Casado, he was a lot more expensive, but he was a young player that you need to work with, and it might be 18 months, two years before you see the best of him. But Raheem Sterling is a fully fledged international it's a trophy captain. He's bulging, isn't it? Come down here and, you know, and it's like, yeah, nothing. I mean, nothing. You know, did, did he trust the ball in the second half? It was embarrassing. I know he look back and go, he's going, he's going offside goal. You know, it was not a goal. It was an offside goal, isn't it? So it's, I, do, I, do, I just, some of these clubs and Manchester United in the same boat and we've got a new uh, share owner uh, at Old Trafford and he's telling me all these things and I'm going, yeah, mate, but this is fucking hard, you know. This is hard to get right, isn't it? You, know, you think of how long it took us, Trevor. But by heck, we've got it right now, haven't we? You know, from top to bottom. We've cleaned up everywhere. There's no hiding places. There's, there is no hiding places. You have to do your job. If you don't do your job, find somewhere else. I, I'm looking forward to, on a future show, having a chance to talk to you about um, said United um, uh, share owner and uh, his attitude towards using public money um, for any of their plans in the future. It's an odd one. I don't think many people saw that coming. Um, Ex-United legend in his own lifetime, Rio Ferdinand was one of many who was full of sour grapes uh, in the aftermath, um, leaning into the average age of the Chelsea side, actually being slightly less than the average age of the Liverpool side aside at the end uh, because it was all about Klopp's kids. Uh, and not counting the fact that you've got established international uh, highly rated players who were bought for a lot of money who are first teamers who just happen to be young as opposed to lads who have literally made two appearances 
beforehand or whatever. Um, we saw Pep Guardiola, who can't help himself these days. It really feels like if anyone can do a number on him mentally, it's it's Jurgen Klopp. If there's anyone who can really rattle him in terms of getting inside his head, making him do daft things, definitely say daft things. He was out talking about the Carabao Cup and, you know, when he came, you know, he was told by Brian Kidd to just ignore it. Like, what's the point? It's play the kids. And basically he was saying, I don't know. The gist of it was, I don't know what's happened over the last couple of years, but it seems like a different kind of final now. And all in one, you had the perfect Pep Guardiola thing. You had the prissy thing of nobody loves us. And why aren't you giving us praise for all those um, League Cups we won? You have the just outrageous jealousy that is always in him about Liverpool and Klopp in particular. And the diminishing, the snide diminishing of the fact that we won it in a dramatic way in 22 and we've won it in a dramatic way in 24. And I just, I can't tell you how low the guy's fallen in my esteem. And I used to really, when he was at Barca, even though he had the same advantages he has at City, I rated them. And I, it was something admirable about him, but it, every year it's getting more and more difficult to like this fella. Yeah, he just—he's no business saying that. It's just—it just—it it just has a terrible bang of sour grapes and jealousy, really. I don't need a VPN. I've got nothing to hide. <laughs> this is what I used to tell myself before I hooked up with LibertyShield.com. Not only is my home internet now fully encrypted, but I can now access all the websites I want whenever I want, and do so from absolutely anywhere. As a Liverpool fan, I love to know I can now watch every match, regardless of whether it's on UK TV or not. My Liberty Shield VPN makes sure nothing is blocked and guarantees me super-fast streaming speed throughout that match. You can get connected right now with their software package, which includes a 48-hour no-obligation free trial and instant access to their apps for Apple, Android, Fire TV, PC, Mac and Android TV. Or go a step further like I have and get one of their pre-configured VPN routers. These small but powerful devices allow you to easily connect every device in your home to VPN, making it the perfect solution for smart TVs, Mac boxes and games consoles. Visit LibertyShield.com today and use coupon code AIVPN25 to get 25% off at checkout. Well, it has nothing to do with the League Cup. It has everything to do with Liverpool, you know, and and, and, and he's starting to realise, isn't he? So he knows that coming for him. And he just wants, he just wants Liverpool to be stopped every now and again in their trap, yeah? So it gives you a belief that we can be beaten, we can be stopped, isn't it? So he would have looked at, he would have sat there and watched that game on Sunday and he's thinking, extra time, yes, this is Chelsea, yeah? You know, not, I don't think he was particularly bothered, but, but he's thinking, yeah, this is Chelsea's now, isn't it? So it's a little bump in the road for Liverpool, isn't it? And them things are important. I don't care what you say. Those things are important, you know? And, and he didn't get that. So he's now thinking, does it, does it really matter what they do? It doesn't seem to matter. Everything they do comes off in the right way. You know, the loot in second half, all them things that, you know, you, you're sitting there as somebody's thinking, yeah, I could do with this, I could do with this falling my way. Nothing is falling his way, is it? You know, and the fact that we're coming for him, we're just coming for him quicker and he might not even be ready. You know, by the time we come for him on the 10th of March, he might not be ready. They are still on their own beating since they got beat by Aston Villa, which is a long, long time ago, isn't it? But they're not really convincing, are they, at the moment? So, uh, he, and he knows that. He's a bright boy. He knows that he can see what's happening. You know, and sometimes you know these things and you go, how the fuck are we going to stop this? You know, and, and obviously he was hoping that others could help on the way. They haven't. So now it looks like it's left to him, isn't it? And I don't think he's looking forward to that, you know, because he's been to Anfield before, hasn't he? <laughs> you know, uh, and he's never enjoyed being at Anfield. Never. Apart from that once when there was no fans there, but there'll be fans this time and more than ever. <laughs> more than ever, louder than ever. Another magnificent part of the of this day on Sunday was was listening to that absolute din coming from Liverpool fans, looking at those swirling scarves, seeing the bit of pyro. It was just brilliant. Uh, urging the lads uh, over the line in a way that you just, you've come to expect on big occasions, uh, but you can never take for granted. It was wonderful to see. Uh, just one more moment to talk to you about, because we all know that Mo Salah 
and Darwin Nunes and Dom's buzz like could not take part in the game that Curtis Jones uh, is hobbled at the moment, uh, amongst others, Ali, all the rest of them. But you will have seen several times, no doubt, on repeat, uh, the fantastic video footage of Darwin Nunes deciding that he must celebrate uh, on the pitch very, very quickly. He bundles Mo Salah out of the way. And if you watch the video, Mo Salah disappears. It's like some sort of a visual uh, trick. He hammers Curtis Jones to one side. He just clambers over two separate fences. He's injured, yeah. And he's out there. He's giving it socks. And all that did, apart from most of us going, fucking be careful, was it just further cemented this absolute uh, adoration for this mentalist that people have. <laughs> I imagine... Uh, I imagine in different circumstances, he's getting a serious bollocking about that. That can't be acceptable in any way, shape or form, but he's unhinged and we love that. Yeah, the medical staff will probably get the blame for that one, whichever one, if he doesn't play against South <laughs> Africa, uh, this midweek, isn't it? But yeah, it, it, it's nice because believe me, Trevor, and this is genuine and most players are exactly the same. So we won the Carabao Cup, but if you're one of the big hitters and you're not part of it, it just, you know, it just lacks a little bit, and it, of course, celebrates. But you you don't celebrate as hard as the others unless you're Darwin Nunez, you know what I mean? So that, so that was really nice <laughs> to see. No, but that was really nice, Trevor, wasn't it? You know what I mean? Yeah. Because you can understand that it, yes, of course, celebrate, and you, but, it, but a little bit muted isn't compared to all the other systems, but obviously he wasn't. And I do think, Trevor, had it been Premier League game against Manchester City, some of them players might have played. You know, we might have risked playing them. Uh, so now we've got a problem with them not playing in the Carabao Cup and now almost it feels like a lot of people, I don't know why they, but a lot of people always say the Southampton game doesn't matter anymore. I said, of course it does. You know, because if we don't beat Southampton, we won't win all four trophies. Will we? So there's almost like this, yeah, but well, let's just go to Anfield and, and celebrate winning the Carabao Cup and then all the kids and see what they can do. And I went, no, 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 let's get the mixture right and let's let's put some experience in there and let's, let's Southampton, luckily, last four, couple of games and Hit a bit of a big wall, and I'm not playing particularly well at the moment. Is the but I don't think there's any need to. This is like people have this thing about there's no way they can play again. Yeah, I said fucking right, they can play again. You know, don't worry about that. Of course, they can go again. Yes, I know it was Sunday. I know it was for for some of them, half of them, it was 120 minutes, but they can go again. Don't worry about that. You know, and I'm, I've never been one of them, Trevor. Where I don't worry ahead of things. You know, let them all play. And if they get injured, they get injured. We'll deal with that, isn't it? But let's not assume that if let's not assume we're going to play and they're all going to get injured. No, let's assume that if you play, we're going to do well and we're going to win and we're going to be the course of violence, isn't it? I've always been like that. And if they get injured, we'll deal with that, you know. And that's that's my that's my attitude. But I know that it will be overwhelming how many inexperienced players. Let's stop calling them young, but how many inexperienced players we will have in a team on Wednesday? Uh, but yeah, it should be a good game. It's interesting because that's where we need to go next. There's just about enough time for us to talk about the two games that lie ahead. And yeah, you mentioned the way uh, Southampton's recent fate, a 2 1 reversal against Millwall, and that was at Southampton. They had a 2 1 reversal against Hull, that was out at Southampton. You have to go back to the next game where they actually won 2 0 away at West Brom. Um, before that, they got beat 3 1 at Bristol. And before that, 5-3 home win over Huddersfield. So it's a mixed bag, to say the least. If you look at the championship table, Jan, they're sitting in there in fourth place on 67 points. Very much a sort of a, the, the top four are very much away in and of themselves. It's, uh, what is it, they're seven and four. It's 11 points back to West Brom in fifth. So they're going to be feeling that they're safe and sound in, in playoff places. The season's going pretty well. They might be looking to overhaul Ipswich, who are sitting in third, five points ahead of them. Leeds are in second, five points ahead of them. So they may have, they'll have ambitions for that. It's obviously been a good season for them so far. They're going to have their tails up. Um, they're going to be all about it. We've heard the cliches before. It's a cup. It's, it's going to be their cup final, blah, blah, blah. Um, in terms of players, Jan, that people may remember or not remember uh, because obviously it's not that long ago since we were having a look at Southampton they have a lot of familiar names Gavin Bazunu, the Irish keepers there um, Harwood Bellis, Stevens, Bednarek and Walker Peters uh, several familiar names there across the back 
their midfield against um, uh, Millwall in the recent game was Arebo, Smallbone and Armstrong. Again, people remember at least Armstrong. And then Brooks, Adams and Fraser. They've hung on to quite a few of those lads who were playing in the Premier League and They've got Sulemana on the bench who came on, Joe Rothwell, Adam Armstrong, Ryan Manning, uh, Edozi came on as well. Um, some of those names will be familiar to people as well. This is going to be a massive, massive um, challenge, no doubt about it. A really good championship team who are going to have their tails right up. There's a op- superb opportunity for them. Um, you talk about getting the right mix of experience and, and, and all the rest of it. Will it stick in your craw very much if we don't do the business? Are you kind of wedded to this idea of the magnificent four trophies thing? Um, is there any sense in maybe allowing that this one could possibly go by the board if it had to? Because Forest feels huge. I wouldn't be happy, no. Uh, I would think even with all the injuries that we have, uh, and also think what. Klopp possibly has as a benefit that he will know why he's a state of play with the, the ones who are unavailable through injury in terms of uh, Forest and European game and Manchester City and whatever. And so, no, I would I would still give it a real go, try to win. I mean, Southampton is a they bought a lot of young players with, with the hope of selling them on. It's a very sort of data driven business, a bit like Liverpool. Uh, they've got some really good players. Uh, I think I think they're actually disappointed that. Then on the top two automatic places, I think they expected that. Uh, but they've done a good job. Good young manager in Russell Martin. They play some good football and they have some quality to hurt. And I think it'll be a good game. I mean, last week when we spoke about it, I suggested 4-2. I still think there's going to be goals and I think it's going to be open. It's going to be end-to-end. Southampton will feel exactly the same way as Brentford felt, uh, as Luton felt, as Chelsea felt. We might not get a better chance because of the injuries that Liverpool have got. And Southampton will be exactly the same. Southampton will thinking. Injuries, a lot of inexperienced players will never get a better chance. But there's no guarantee, is it? You know, I, I still have a feeling that yet again, almost whoever whoever plays, we will find a way. We'll find a way of getting it done. It's funny you mention uh, Luton and Brentford because they're the ones who kind of sandwich Forest in the Premier League who are our weekend opponents. Like I said, this game feels huge because every single league game is going to feel huge uh, as long as there's still a really strong chance that we can win this thing. Um, they're on 24 points, a point behind Brentford, uh, who are in 16th and a point ahead, sorry, four points ahead of, of Luton, uh, who are in 18th. Um, so you could say there's a four point cushion there. You could say that that's comparatively comfortable, but no, Luton have a game in hand. So it's only really a one point cushion if they win that. Um, I'm not sure what you make of Forrest and just so people have some idea of their form running up to this. Uh, they got beat 4-2 by Villa. Recently, their game before that was actually a 2-0 home win over West Ham. Um, They lost 3-2 away at home to Newcastle. Um, And they obviously had their win against Bristol City in the FA Cup fourth round replay, which meant that they would be playing Man United tomorrow night when we are playing our FA Cup game. Um, So it's going to be difficult for them, no matter what way you look at it. They're not going to find it easy. Um, They're not finding it easy. I don't know whether this is the kind of thing that rallies a club, um, an opportunity to save some... um, a little bit of excitement for the season, a little bit of a sense of achievement. There's some good footballers at Forest. We all know that they bought like about two squads. Um, but there's some good footballers there. They have Mario and Felipe at center half, uh, Williams and, and Nikate, uh, full back, uh, Dominguez and Danilo were the two starting midfield, um, in the most recent game. Uh, Hudson Adoy, Gibbs White, Alanga, highly rated, um, players and, and Awani up front. Um, off the bench, they actually took Divock Origi. He, he must be back in some sort of shape. Um, and the rest of that substitute bench, Kuyate, people will know, uh, Reina, Giovanni Reina came on, Ryan Yates came on, Harry Toffolo came on as well in that last game. This is going to be a whole different sort of affair for us, Jan. It's, um, one that I'd like to say I'm really looking forward to because I am really looking forward to all these games and I do feel a sense of confidence. It's at three o'clock. 
It's away at Forest. Again, it's going to be a huge challenge. You'd imagine there's a good chance that we'll have a couple of those uh, guys we mentioned, at least two of them possibly back in the running. Although it, you, you don't feel confident until you see uh, the, the team sheet being announced these days, the way uh, lads are falling left, right and centre. What do you make of this Forest challenge and, and what particularly are you concerned about, if anything? So I, I agree with you when you, you mention some of those names and you think, yeah, wow. I mean, they got some ability. They got some pace. You know, if you look at the, the, the front four, uh, all with, with really good pace, which is the one thing that can always hurt you, give you problems in games. Um, but there's no doubt that ever since they got promoted, they've overbought. Uh, they bought players who are not suited to the Premier League. They bought players who are not suited to the way that Forrest wants to play. And then you've got interfering owners who think that they should be doing better. So it's, it's a very difficult cocktail to get right. And they haven't. You know, they are the one team just above the relegation line. I don't think they'll get in relegation because I don't think the bottom three can get enough points to put pressure on Forrest. Uh, but they've been disappointed. And again, it kind of comes back to no real identity, you know, searching to try and how do we get the best out of the players that are proven that they are Premier League qualities and they haven't really managed to do that. It's always hard. Not many teams go to the city ground and run all over Nottingham Forest. Most of their home games are really, really tight. I expect the game on Saturday to be tight, but we are better than them and we're on a mission. And because of that, I think we'll take the three points. Just a quick word about which of the youngsters you think might feature tomorrow night. I, you can see a real case for Jaden Dans, for example. Primarily because we don't know whether uh, Mo and, and, and Darwin are going to be available, so we might need to lean really heavily on on on, on Gakpo and, and on Diaz. And Diaz looked something borderline to exhausted out in his feet. He was holding the back of his thigh, which is a worry. I've not heard anything about that. Um, but in the extra time, he was very much holding the back of his leg and he was shuffling around the place. So Jaden Dan seems to me to be one that might have a shout um, I wouldn't be surprised to see McConnell either because of that kind of calm that he has, or Bobby Clark, or both. Um, you can see Qantas starting. You can see uh, Connor Bradley starting, I think, unless uh, we're thinking very much in terms of him being uh, absolutely vital to our current state and not want to risk him. So of the famed cop kids, which of the ones would you see maybe getting a run out tomorrow evening? So I could easily see uh, Bradley as right back, uh, Gomez and Kwanzaa as centre half, and, and Simic as, as a left back. Uh, and then you've obviously got your, your midfield, where I agree that McConnell will will will, will play. Uh, and then you look at Endo, who played the full 120, and it looked like it particularly left the mark on him. Uh, he was really really tired. Would that then mean McAllister would would, would he play uh, up front? I could see Harvey Elliott. I could see Gakpo. And I could see Dan's, uh, the, the one bit where I struggle is it, what do we do in midfield? Uh, so before, I think McConnell will definitely play. It could be Clark, uh, with one experienced player. Elliot could play in there. Uh, we could decide to do something else up front. So it's a little bit tricky. And so off the one, I mean, Kwanzaa's, like he played a lot of games already. I think he's got about 20 appearances already. And Bradley almost feels like a first-team regular now, isn't he? So I think of the others, there might be two or three of them playing. Uh, but as long as they're in there, protected by the, the, the Klopp system, what Klopp's put in place, I think we'll be fine. Well, I look forward to it. And we should finish, like we always do, getting an idea of how you think they're going to go. You've already suggested that you feel it's going to be a pair of wins, which is very encouraging. And how do you see it panning out score-wise in both games? Yeah, so the other day I suggested 4-2, uh, against Southampton. I wouldn't go a million miles away from that. I think there'll be, I think there'll be chances. It'll be an open game. Uh, it, it, it can't be any other way. As I said before, we have a clear plan of how we want to play. We gave up chances. We gave up chances against Chelsea. That's how we play. Uh, we, we play, we play with risk, you know, and it, it's working. I've expected it to be a little bit more controlled at Forest, uh, also because of the way that they play. Uh, but again, I think, Forest is a team that makes individual errors. And I think that will give us chances. So, 4-2 at Anfield on Wednesday. And I think we might just beat Forest 3-1 at the City Ground on Saturday. 
Well, that would make for a very, very happy uh, pair of fellas doing the podcast next week, looking ahead to that City game and all the rest that's coming up in quick succession, European football, left, right and centre and all the rest of it. Can't wait. Looking forward to it. It's been great to have a chat as ever, Jan. We touched a lot of bases there, so I really appreciate it, man. Yeah, it's... I mean, we've been talking a lot, haven't we, Trevor? But it's almost feel like it's for real now, isn't it? You know, because every game could be almost fatal, couldn't you, for the dream of winning four trophies, isn't it? So, you know, it's it's win or go home. <laughs> win or go home. Yeah, yeah, it's exactly it. You heard the man Red Sky tomorrow night <laughs> win because we don't want to go home because we're enjoying this run. It's fantastic. It's exciting. Uh, we're delighted to be bringing it to you here on Anfield Index Pro. We're delighted to have Jan Monby along for that particular journey. And hopefully it'll be a long one with the maximum amount of games and a whole lot of shiny, silvery things to celebrate at the end. I've been Trev Denny. That was Jan Monby. This is Monby on the spot. And we'll be back next week. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.